0: You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is The Fountain of Youth, Episode 3 with Diana Burnett. So tonight we are going to look at how we can overcome the top causes of death. Of course, we know that we all age and that's, you know, if you live long enough, that's the end that you're going to face. But what we're looking at is that these are things that take our life prematurely. We should just age comfortably, would you say, and not have to face the things that are taking our lives prematurely and in a um, harsher way. And before we get started, let's ask the Lord to join us. Our Father in heaven, again tonight... We want to invite your presence. We know that you care about our life, about our health, about everything that we face, the burdens that we have. And Lord, you have given us the promise that you wish above all things that we prosper and be in health. Would you touch our hearts, our minds tonight? And would you speak through me? And again, give me words that will be plain and easy to understand and especially from your word, that these are, these thoughts that we have are from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Well, I want to start off with saying, ignorance is not bliss. Have you heard that? You know, sometimes what you don't know can hurt you. A lot of times it does. And so... We live in a world where there is so much knowledge being exploded, it's almost hard to keep up with. In fact, it's not almost. It is impossible to keep up with what's out there. In the Bible, in the book of Hosea, chapter 4 and verse 6, we read this scripture. Jesus is talking to us. He says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So not knowing the proper things to put into our bodies and how to take care of this temple that God gives us can cause us problems. Now, this can be talking about not having the right spiritual knowledge and that it could cause you to be lost eternally. But it also means not having the right knowledge in this life Of what type of food to eat how to exercise the water that you need all of those basic essentials of life that we talked about in our lecture the laws of life but it goes on to say in Hosea that it's not just because they have a lack of knowledge but it's because they have rejected knowledge sometimes we don't like the information we hear And we want some other information. So it's very important to know what is truth. There's a lot of voices out in the world, isn't there? And so, how do you know what is truth? When we search the Bible, there are solid principles that will guide us. We were told that knowledge would increase in the Bible. In Acts, chapter 17, 30, it was said, at the times of this ignorance, God winked at. Paul was talking to some people, and it was, in the past, you didn't know about this. God winked at your ignorance. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent. And I believe that we are living in a time that God is calling a people to look at the information that we have available to us that has been brought to light through science today and line it up with what we know through the Bible and put it into practice because we have plenty of information. In Daniel chapter 12, this is where we find the scripture. Verse 4, Daniel shut up the words and sealed the book even until the time of the end many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased now this was talking specifically about spiritual knowledge and information about prophecy that was going to be opened up that would help guide god would help guide god's the very end of time to understand what's happening in the world Everyone in the world today feels the pressure of something happening. And in the Bible, in the prophecies, God has revealed what's happening. But the knowledge that was shut up through many ages, many thousands of years, has to do even with the science that talks about how to take care of our body. And in the last 50 to 100 years, information has been exploding that is verifying that the plan that God gave us in the Bible is the best plan today. Even 6,000 years ago, what he told us in Genesis is just what is practical and effective for us today in our life. I want to read one more scripture for you. Now, do you remember the story of the children of Israel? At the time of Daniel, they were in captivity of the Babylonians, correct? The Egyptians and Assyrians were enemies also of God's people. In the book Lamentations, Jeremiah is giving a list of what had happened because of their disobedience to God's plan. And in chapter 5, in verse 6, he gives this explanation. We have given the hand to the Egyptians and the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Do you understand the impact of that? We are going to people that are God's enemies and using their food for our food. And so, all the, around us in the grocery stores, in restaurants, We are finding food that is prepared from people who do not understand God's principles. They're refining the food. They're extracting things from it. They're putting chemicals in it. They're changing the way it's grown. And all these things are not the way God has his people to live. And so we are going to be facing the diseases of the Egyptians if we eat their food. It happened to the children of Israel. The children of Israel, were in was, they were in bondage for hundreds of years under the Egyptians. And the longer they were with the Egyptians, the more they assimilated the Egyptian lifestyle. And the Egyptian lifestyle had all of the diseases that we have today. The top killers in our world were in Egypt. They had arthritis, they had cancer, they had heart disease, they had strokes, they had infectious diseases. And so when God called the children of Israel out, he said, I have a different plan for you. There's the plan of the world, which is directed by Satan, and then there's my plan. It's very different, and I want you to walk it. Because if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and do, and will do that which is right in His sight, and will give ear to His commandments, and keep all of His statutes. What does God promise? I will put upon you none of the diseases which are have been which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. The same God that promised to heal the children of Israel back then is the God that promises to heal us if we will follow His plan for life. Isn't that a blessing? Is that encouraging? We can trust that because God is the great physician. There is no physician on this earth that can offer you what God offers. There is no medication that will perform what God's medicine Will perform and we've been looking at that in our past lectures and we're going to look at it a little bit more tonight so if you'll remember I want to put back up this was in our lecture the laws of life and we have a path that we're walking on and they're basic essentials that we all have to have we need oxygen we have to have pure water we have to have the right nutrition Exercise, sleep. We have to have shelter. We have to keep our body temperature at an even keel. We can't be too hot or we can't be too cold. We need sun and we need love. And if you remember how, when we talked about this, any deviation off of this path is going to start breaking the system. And the farther out we get from the plan, the more our system's going to break. There's a woman, she's alive today, her name's Marian Nessel. She recently wrote a book called Food Politics. She had worked for the FDA, and she's worked for the Department of Health and Human Services, and she's worked for the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture. She's a nutritionist, and she was a consultant for these three different um, organizations. In her book, Food Politics, she says that the food marketing Um, industry has four basic techniques that they use to get you to buy their food. The first one is taste. If it doesn't taste good, you're not going to eat it, right? And you have all these competing industries, and so they are going to put whatever it takes into their food to get you to come back to theirs. So they put all kinds of chemicals. One of the biggest things they use is sugar. You know that there is more sugar in ketchup per calorie than there is in ice cream? You wouldn't like ketchup if it didn't have all that sugar in. The second thing they use is cost. Everybody likes a budget, you know, they want to get the best for the less. And so they want to make the products as cheap as they can so that you can buy a cheaper product but also so that they can have a bigger profit the third thing that they do is convenience this is major in our world today because since the the end of world war ii or actually it started at world war ii in the country that i come from the united states when the men go to war who's going to run the country Who's going to run the industries it has to be the women and so the women went into the workforce so when the women are in the workforce who's home taking care of the kids nobody so over the um, decades the last 50 60 70 years something has happened to the culture when I was in grade school, high school, junior high, it was required that you take a nutrition and home ec. That's what they called it, home ec. It was common for a, a young person to learn how to cook and how to sew. How to take care of a house. Do you know that the majority of people today, women especially, do not know how to cook? And so we need the convenience of being able to either stop at a fast food restaurant or when you go grocery shopping, you just pull out these packaged dinners, stick them in the oven, and it's okay that the women are still in the workforce because we've got all these convenient fast foods. And so someone else is putting things in your food so that your kids are going to like them and so that you all like them, but it's bad quality. So you've got to add something to it to make it taste better. The last one is surprising to me. Public confusion. Do you see that? Somebody says, drink milk. Somebody else says, don't drink milk. Somebody says whole milk is best. Someone else says skim milk is what you need. And they have research to tell you this, and then they have research to tell you something different. And so what happens to the general population? You're not, you're not studying health. You're relying on these experts that have gone d- decades to school, And you you think they should know what they're talking about. And so when there's conflict, what the brain ends up doing is saying, forget it. I'm going to do what tastes good, what's easy. And it doesn't matter. You know, if it tastes good, eat it, right? You know, if it's easy, let's do it. So this public confusion gets us in a state where we don't know what's right. But I want to tell you, There are scriptural principles that are there and that are very basic. And we've talked about them, and I'm going to keep reiterating them. They're very simple, and you follow those. You don't have to worry about what the scientists are saying. Well, let's look at the leading cause of death. Now, this chart is from 2004. It has changed very little This chart is from developed countries worldwide, and it correlates pretty close to even the undeveloped countries. In the underdeveloped countries, what you see more of than in the developed countries are illnesses like infectious disease. But overall, worldwide, today, cancer is number one. In the United States and can- Canada, heart disease and cancer are about neck and neck. But worldwide, cancer's number one, and heart disease is number two. And then you have cerebrovascular disease, things like stroke. That's one of the main things with the cerebrovascular problem. Number four is lower respiratory infections. Number five, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, That's mostly emphysema and chronic bronchitis. And then we have accidents, mostly road accidents. We have diabetes at number seven. It's climbing up. Worldwide, diabetes is number 11. We have nephritis and nephrosis. That has to do with kidneys, anything that's impacting your kidneys. So kidney failure is up on the top ten. Suicide is up there. That's kind of a sad commentary, isn't it? It has to say that whatever is going on in the world is not only affecting our body, but it's affecting our spirit. It's affecting our mind. And that goes back to the principle that we need love. And when you have a broken spirit and you put a broken body on top of that and you feel hopeless, worthless, and helpless, what is there to living? So. Fulfilling the needs, finding your source of love from God would prevent suicide. You know, there's a lot of complicating factors, but, you know, those basics has to do even with suicide. And then number 10 is cirrhosis of the liver. So we could go on down. There's many other um, causes of death, but these are the top, and it's shifted a little bit. The only thing in the United States that has changed dramatically in the last five, six years is that Alzheimer's has come up to number six. Well, the big one, cancer. But what is going on with the rest of the diseases is pretty much what's going on with cancer. It's just that cancer is really the ultimate in the genetic process being broken, In the 1850s, one out of 127 people came down with cancer. That's that's not too bad, but it's not too good. You know, that's still a relatively um, high number. Do you know what it is today? 50-50. One out of two people. And this does not include skin cancer. This is all cancers besides skin cancer. There's probably not a person listening to this program or anyone in our audience that has not had someone in your family or close family or close friend that has not been impacted by cancer. So let's move on tonight, and let's look at heart disease. One of the longest studies that had been done with quite a group. I forget how many. It's 150,000 nurses between the age of 35 and 55. It was the Harvard Nurses Health Study, 35 years long. And here's what they came up with on the follow-up as they looked at these individuals from the beginning and then 35 years later, many of them have passed away. So they could look at this group of women and they could see what the top causes of death were. Thousands of participants have died, allowing for determination of the risk factors for mortality. So what they were saying is that they had diet as one of the major causes of death, taking out any other causes. Here's what they looked at. Dietary cholesterol consumption was significant as a risk factor in dying. The second leading cause of their death was smoking-related, mostly because of cancer. And as they took out everything else, all the competing analysis, they could tell just what the main causes were. Here's what they found as far as the factors that impacted their life. Consuming the amount of cholesterol found in just a single egg a day. One egg a day would cut the woman's life short as much as smoking five cigarettes a day for 15 years. One egg compared to five cigarettes a day. That's powerful, isn't it? The most pr- protective behavior that they found was if they ate lots of plant-based food. Why? Because of fiber consumption. They found that if they ate the equivalent of 1 cup of oatmeal's worth of fiber a day, it appeared to extend a woman's life as much as if they exercised 4 hours of a week. 4 hours of jogging a week. That's powerful, isn't it? So we want to get in the fiber. Where do we get fiber? Fiber only comes from plants. There is no fiber in animal products. No fiber in any meat, red meat, white meat, fish, chicken, eggs, or any dairy product. There's absolutely no fiber. So one of the biggest benefits to eating the plants that God has given us is there's fiber. And so as they've looked at fiber it's like well what's going on with fiber why is fiber so important there's not even any nutritional value in fiber so why would it be so important in it's extending our life and preventing all these diseases that we had well they looked at when you look at cholesterol which is found only in animal foods they have seen a very significant association with a shorter life But when they do a fiber intake only found in plant foods, it was associated with living longer. One specific food in this study that they found was of a particular importance, and that was nuts. In fact, they found that eating just a handful of nuts was equivalent, again, to just four hours of jogging a week. So two handful of nuts, I said one, it's two handful of nuts, would give you the equivalent of health benefit as if you jogged four hours a week. That's easy to do, isn't it? And nuts are are easy to get, and they're easy to eat. Well, some people say, well, my cholesterol's normal. I don't have to worry about anything, do I? Well, let me remind you that normal is just based on the population at hand. And they take like 1,000 people, and they look at the medium cholesterol level, and they say, that's normal. So how could you trust normal in a society where the top cause of death is heart attack? And it's like, I don't want to be normal. Do you know what the first symptom, the first major symptom of a heart attack is? It's sudden death. The majority of people that have heart disease, the first thing they notice is they die. They're gone. Over 50%. That's not a symptom I want to face. Well, if you don't want to change your diet, you have an option. You can take medication. Because you want to know what the optimal um, cholesterol is, you want to know just where you need to be to have this healthy heart. Well, there was a study that was done, and they were it was called this is the name of the study use of intensive lipid lowering therapy in patients hospitalized with acute coronary syndrome. They took over sixty five thousand people hospitalized from three hundred and forty four different hospitals. What they found is that most heart attack patients fell within the target limit for LDL level. So all of these people that came in, the majority of them were at the recommended level, showing that the guidelines are not low enough. Close to half of the heart victims had quote and unquote optimal cholesterol levels you don't want to be in that in that range do you you need something different one of the chief editors of the american journal of cardiologists has said you you don't want low risk you want no risk is that right it's nice to have lower than high risk but i don't want any risk at all so how are we going to do it well They've said that for the buildup of plaque in our arteries to stop, to cease, it appears that the serum total cholesterol needs to be lower than 150. So 150 are lower. The only place that you're going to find that without medication in general is in being a pure vegetarian. That was from the editor of the cardiology journal. Well... What if you don't want to follow a full vegetarian plan? Well, you have choices. It's not just being a vegetarian that all you have to eat is an apple. We have a lot of plants out there that you can eat. But bottom line is, do you want the apple or do you want the medication? So if you opt for the medication saying, I want to stick with my animal-based lifestyle, You can make that choice, but it's going to come with consequences. Here's what they're finding. The FDA has come in, stepped in, because the consequences are so significant with statin drugs, they're happening to put out a red flag of warning. They're saying that these statins, some of the common names Lipitor, Mevacor, Crestor, it increases the risk of brain-related side effects memory loss, confusion, increased blood sugar, diabetes. They have also found in a recent, more recent study that it is decreasing energy and fatigue, especially in women. Now, I don't know about you, but I've said I don't want to get cancer, but I also don't want to lose my mind. I have a hard enough time not being confused. So I don't want to add a drug on top of it that's going to add more confusion. One of the things that they are finding that's causing the problem with heart disease is what we talked about in the immune system lecture. It's that word inflammation. Do you remember what inflammation is? Inflammation is your immune system at work. It's when something's come into your body, and the white blood cells go to attack it. And while it's attacking it, there's tissue damage. So here's what they found when you take in one meal that's high in animal fat. The original study that was done was a sausage, egg McMuffin. Within hours of eating it, it paralyzes the arteries, preventing them from relaxing. Now, when you get stiff arteries, what's going to happen to your blood pressure? It's going to go up. The whole entire vascular um, system had inflammation within hours. It's not just one spot, but from the top of your head to the tip of your toes, there was inflammation in the blood vessels. If you continue to eat this type of meal, Guess what happens? The inflammation never goes away. You get chronic inflammation. The body keeps trying to repair that inflammation. And there's tears that, are, um, that happen in the blood vessel wall, and then the body has to put a Band-Aid over that tear so you don't bleed. You know what the Band-Aid is? It's cholesterol. Cholesterol patches that. And to keep that cholesterol in place the body adds calcium, and calcium's a rock. And so you end up getting atherosclerosis. That means hardening of the arteries. And it's hardened because of the rock and the cholesterol that's put down to protect you from the inflammation of one stop at McDonald's. It's not worth it, is it? But that process of inflammation isn't just happening in your blood vessels. It's happening all through your body. The blood vessels go to your kidneys. They go to your lungs. And it's breaking down the very cell structure, even to the genes, leading to cancer. The lungs have had the same inflammation. So within hours of one high-fat animal meal, your lungs become inflamed. You continue to do that, even if you're not smoking, you can set yourself up for chronic lung disease. Well, you say, well, maybe I won't do it so often. You know, I'm not doing it every day. And if you sit down and you eat a meal and you know it's not so healthy, you don't drop over dead right away, do you? It's a process of time. Because God is long-suffering, we presume on his, on his mercy. If you get away with it once, guess what you want to do again? You want to keep doing it. I have this saying that we as humans love to push the envelope. We love to go as close to the edge as we can without getting in trouble. And so if we get away with it once, we think, oh, I can get away with it again. But something is happening in the body. In Ezekiel, I mean, not Ezekiel, Ecclesiastes, it says, because a, sent, a sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the Son of Men is, full, is set, fully set in them to do evil. You know what that's saying? Because God doesn't strike you dead the first time you eat something wrong or do something outside of the laws of health. You don't fall over. You think you're okay. It's like, Oh, I got away with it. And our human nature is to keep doing it. You know, if we got a, if God came and broke our arm when we did something bad, we might think a little bit more about it. But he doesn't want to work that way. He wants to use our intelligence. He wants to tell you these things are harming you and have you make an intelligent choice. Now, this picture of the rope, it's a demonstration of what's called fracture critical. Fracture critical is, uh, it's used a lot in architecture. And what it is is when you build a structure And the more things that you have that are weak in the building, the greater the chance that you're going to break. How how many of you have ever been on a rope swing and it broke on you? I have seen it happen. You know, you're just out there swinging, and all of a sudden you come crashing down. Well, it's because that rope has been working over years, and it starts fraying and starts fraying, And one day it snaps. It can't take the pressure anymore. That's what happens in our body. We can handle having one meal that's not healthy. You could go to the fast food drive-in and have an egg McMuffin and their side of sausage. And if you never have it again, you're going to recover because God put in our body mechanisms to recover. But every time you do it, and if you, the body doesn't have time to repair, and you're doing other things that are breaking you, the day is going to come that it breaks. And you don't want that to be a sudden heart attack. Does that make sense? So the idea is stay away from the edge. I don't want to just live marginally. I want to live optimally. I want all the vitality I can give. It's a hard world to live in. And so I want to do everything I can to make my system work. And so that when things hit me that I can't control, that my body has the resistance to go against it. Well, so... Scientists and researchers have been looking at this idea of inflammation. What is it in animal food that's causing the disease process? They've seen that the protein alone in animal products is causing the breakdown in the tissue. But they have found something else that's very interesting. It's called endotoxemia. And what that means is that when you have a meal of animal products, you have a steak, whether it's a fish, even eggs, particularly dairy products, cheese, cottage cheese, they are filled with bacteria and bacterial toxins. And when you take that food substance in, your body is flooded with these products. It's not broken down by the stomach acid. It's not broken down by cooking it. They have tried boiling and boiling and boiling a meat diet, a meat um, food, and still have not been able to get rid of all of the pathogens or their toxic side effects. And so as soon as you take it into the body, guess what's triggered? It's your immune system. And you get this flood through your whole system because all those toxins get out of your intestinal tract and into your bloodstream. And your bloodstream goes to your brain. It goes to the tips of your finger. It goes throughout your lungs. It goes throughout your heart. Every organ in your body is impacted. And they believe that animal food excites this inflammation response. Now, remember I, in one of my other lectures, the one on the immune system, I showed you a video of a white blood cell? I have a microscope that I can do that. So I had heard about this situation that animal products are loaded with pathogens. So one day I thought, well, I'm going to look at what's in cheese, I had heard that if you looked at cottage cheese under the microscope, you would never touch it. So I got some cottage cheese, and I did, just takes a little bit, and I mashed it up with some water just so I could have a broth, and I stuck it under my microscope. And sure enough, I one of these days I'm going to catch it on, on I've got a camera, and I'll bring the video. You just see bacteria swarming everywhere throughout the the field. Well, I thought, okay, I wonder what's going on in cheese. So the person that I was living with, she ate cheese, and so I went and got just a little a little tiny piece of cheese. wasn't a big piece. I mashed it up with some water, so I had a little broth and put it under my microscope. I was horrified. It was not only filled with bacteria, it had... I'm I'm not a microbiologist, but there were things crawling in it you would not want in your body. They weren't just bacteria. They were big critters, whether they were uh, protozoas or whatever they were. They were creepy, crawly things. And so I was working at this health center, and I showed our guest. I said, look what's in cheese. Cheese. You all need to see it. You might think twice before you put those things in your body. So the point is, let's stay on the safe side. We don't need all those germs. We can get plants, and you need to clean them. You know, there's infections that happen from plants. But most infections that happen from plants are because of animal manure that has been used on the plants. So plants do not carry this bacterial load. So we're talking about inflammation, and before we get off of heart disease, what I want to show you is a picture from a study that Dr. Esselstyn has done. This is a cardiologist in the United States, and what he does is he takes guests in, he gets a group of people, and he takes them off of their high animal diet, and puts them on a whole plant food diet and over a short period of time this inflammation in the blood vessels clears up so what you see on the left hand side that area do you see how the blood vessel is nice and fat and then all of a sudden it gets skinny that's because of the inflammation and the plaque building up on the wall and it's blocking the artery off. This is a coronary artery. And if this inflammation continues, the next thing that's going to happen is a heart attack. But going on a whole plant food diet within six months, there's that same blood vessel totally healed. God wants to heal us. His promise is as sure today as it was thousands of years ago. If you'll follow my plan, I'll heal you. He didn't intentionally say, okay, you Egyptians, you're bad. I'm going to put these diseases on you. That's not what the Bible's saying. God allowed them to have the consequences of their choices. They had high animal um, um, diets, high animal food diet. And as a consequence, they had the diseases that we have today. But this is what God will do for us. We should say amen and thank you, Lord. Well, let's go to um, chronic um, obstructive pulmonary disease, which is basically chronic bronchitis and emphysema. They have found, just like with heart disease, that it can be reversed by a plant-based diet the best thing is to prevent it because the farther the damage goes the harder it is for the body to turn it around but they have found results with putting people on a pure plant-based diet and avoiding some of the other things you know the chemicals and the additives i mean you want food as as close as you can get it from the garden now when the tobacco industry heard about this results, guess what they wanted to do? Cigarettes destroy the lungs, right? Well, what if we put plants in our cigarettes? What if we put berries in our cigarettes? So they took the ACI, they took these berries, ground them up, and put them in their cigarettes they did get a benefit. It did lower inflammation. But I'm going to tell you, it still causes problems. It might slow it down, so I'm not wanting to encourage anybody to go ahead and keep smoking because the poisons and the effect from cigarettes are still there. The idea is quit smoking and then take all these berries in and help clear up your lungs. Well, the meat industry... They got on the bandwagon, too. And they said, well, if these type of phytonutrients found in plants are so good and the meat industry is getting this bad rap, why don't we put all these healthy veggies and fruits in our burgers? So they took some burger patties and they blended up blackberries because blackberries are very high in antioxidants and help lower inflammation. Well, it wasn't too bad. It turned them kind of a purple color. But maybe it'll help sell it, because there's people that they want to be kind of on the border. And if they're eating blackberries, well, it's better than not eating them. They started adding kiwi juice to lamb it made the meat more tender the idea is though let's just get rid of the poisons altogether it's like saying well maybe i'll add a little bit of um, ground up kale to my arsenic is that going to help you're still going to get the effect of the poison you want to get rid of it totally and just have it the things that are making you healthy well let's move on to stroke one study has shown that the greatest benefit for preventing stroke is by having a diet high in potassium what's one food that's very high in potassium bananas the Chiquita industry has done a great job with their advertising telling you that bananas are high in potassium well I don't want to disappoint you but in the list of plants and sources of high potassium, bananas are down about number 86. A vanilla milkshake comes in above it. The foods that are at the very top for potassium are your foods that are reddish in color, particularly tomatoes. A quarter a cup of tomato paste has What do I have up here, 664 milligrams for just a quarter. But on top of that is sweet potatoes. One sweet potato has almost 700 milligrams of potassium. Now, they're recommending that you have 4,700 milligrams a day. So there's plenty of sources. The dark orange vegetables, squashes, oranges, those type of things are very high in potassium. Apricots, way higher than bananas. Carrots are very high. Carrot juice, you're going to concentrate the potassium all the more. So when you're adding, this is just one aspect. It just tends to be that the high potassium comes in plant-based food. And so if you're getting a diet that is high in potassium, you're getting a diet that's high in plants, fruits, and vegetables. So you're going to be getting the overall benefit. They found that high potassium will lower the risk of stroke by 21 percent. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's without doing anything else. That's not getting rid of the animal products. You get rid of the high fat, high protein from animal products and you'll even have a lower risk for stroke. Well, what about diabetes? There's prediction that by the year 2025, diabetes incidence will be one out of three people in developed countries because of our diet. We're not going to go into a lot of details with diabetes, but when you think of diabetes, you mostly think of sugar, right? It's a sugar problem, but it's not caused primarily by sugar. The primary cause of diabetes is high fat, particularly animal fat, but also refined vegetable fats. So if you're taking in a lot of greasy food, a lot of refined oil, you're going to increase your risk for diabetes. They took 1,000 students, divided them in half and they fed one group a high-fat diet and a low-sugar diet. They took another group and fed them a high-sugar diet and a low-fat diet. Within days, the students that were on the high-fat diet developed a diabetic state, where those on a high-sugar but low-fat did not develop the diabetic state. So I'm not recommending that sugar's good, don't get that don't get me wrong on that, because even too much sugar, the body can't use it and it's going to convert it into fat. But you want to keep on if you have a whole plant food diet, your fat won't be too high and your sugars won't be too high. So it's when you start getting concentrated food. So they see that in diabetes, one of the greatest risks is weight. And it's almost impossible to find someone that's on a whole plant food diet. I don't like calling them just vegans because you can, a vegan, you think of it being um, just eating plants. But you know, vegans can be the most unhealthy people there are because you can eat refined foods, refined grains, refined sugars. You can have refined food from the plant based kingdom. And you can be sicker than people that are eating a meat diet. So it's not just being vegan, it's being having the whole food. They're rarely overweight. And so researchers throughout years have been saying, what is it? Is it some phytonutrient? Is it some enzyme? What is it that is helping these plant-based people stay at an optimal weight? Well, here's some of the things that they found. The benefits to a whole plant food diet is that you do not have these refined sugars, proteins, and fats that are giving you extra calories. So the lower calorie consumption in plant food also comes along with more nutrients. You have nutrient-dense food. There's many more phytonutrients in whole foods than there are in refined foods. They've also found that there's not as many endocrine disrupting chemicals as there is in meat. When you eat meat, you're taking in all the hormones that's in that animal. And those hormones are affecting your body. But the biggest thing that they found was the high fiber. High fiber cuts back on, it, it helps feed the gut bacteria. And these gut bacteria break down the fiber that our bodies, ourselves, cannot break down. It's called propionate. This substance is absorbed into our bloodstream. It inhibits cholesterol synthesis. So it's going to naturally help lower your, your cholesterol. It also helps you to feel more satisfied. It fills you up so you don't eat as much. Now, it may either regulate food intake or the generation of new fat cells, resulting in an overall anti-obesity effect. So the more plants you take in, the more fiber you have. And as you take that fiber in, it's going to feed all these bacteria that help break it down. So it's a nice cycle where it works together. Alzheimer's disease, I mentioned, it's not in the top Um, 10 of the world's disease but in the United States it's number six and they've had studies over the past 20 years showing that people who eat meat are two to three times more likely to get dementia and They are having new research that is showing that a plant-based diet is as effective in helping Alzheimer's as the placebo or some of the top Alzheimer's drugs Kidney disease. Kidney disease can be prevented the same as heart disease because what breaks down the kidneys or what breaks down the heart and the blood vessels is the same thing that's going to affect the kidneys. So you want to get on a a plant-based diet and you want to lower your animal protein, your animal fat, and your cholesterol. That's what researchers at Harvard have found are the most significant thing in kidney disease. Well, we want to march along. We mentioned kidney failure. What about liver failure? Your liver is your greatest organ of detoxification. And so if you start taking in high animal products that have all these toxins in it, the hormones, and then the bacterial load that I mentioned, and you're liver is already getting worn out, it's not going to be able to purify that meal. And so your body is going to have increasing amounts of inflammation. It's going to continue to impact the liver. The the liver gets um, scarred, and pretty soon you end up with liver failure. This is a poster that the New York City has put out. They are so concerned about the overall health of their population, particularly because of sodas. They have found that you can have liver failure without even drinking. And the number one cause is the fructose that is found in sweetened beverages, particularly your sodas. If you have two to three sweetened drinks you're taking in up to 51 teaspoons of sugar in those drinks that is more than the liver can handle and so what we are finding is that people are getting non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and then if that continues because you continue to take in this high amount of sugar particularly in the fructose form it will progress to this non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. They have found that this condition is mostly from manipulated fructose. Fructose is the sugar that's high in fruits. But fruit of itself, if it's not extracted out, will not cause this problem. But when you take it out, you don't have fiber, you don't have any other nutrients, and fructose, like unlike the other sugar, is metabolized in the liver. And it's a very hard process on the liver. What it causes is alcohol-like symptoms. It will scar the liver because of the excess fat that is produced from the breakdown. So you get this inflammation, and if it continues, it's going to go on to liver cirrhosis. This um, NASH, they call it, is the third leading reason for liver transplant. About 25 people, 25% people, 25 of patients that have NASH will go on to get cirrhosis of the liver, needing a transplant, or they will die. The non-alcoholic fatty liver disease affects 31% of American adults and 13% of their children. Other countries that do not take in as much fructose do not have as much of this problem. But I'm going to tell you, Canada and all the way down through Brazil, Brazil's right up there at the top, they are facing this kind of problem. The causes, high fructose, trans fats, overweight, and not exercising. Well, you know... I could keep mentioning one disease after another, and the bottom line is all the same. When you have a diet that's high in animal products, you're going to get these leading causes of death. You have a diet that's high in plant-based or strictly plant-based, you have health. Well, there was a country, one country, where the whole country adopted a better diet. It happened to be Finland. After World War II, the Finnish people had a diet that was worse than the United States right now. They had high meat, high dairy, high fat. By 1970, their rate of mortality from heart disease was the highest in the world. The government was alarmed and they said, you know what, we need to do something about this. They knew about the plant-based diet and what it did to lower the risk of heart disease, so they initiated the berry project. And what they did, they went and encouraged dairy farmers and other farmers to start planting more plant-based products, particularly berries. And a number of the dairy farmers adopted the plan, and they had little competitions, friendly competitions, to encourage different Um, sections of the country to have the uh, cholesterol-lowering competition. Let's see who can lower their cholesterol the greatest. What was the result? They had an 80% drop in cardiac mortality across the country. That's awesome. Overall cause of death dropped 45%. And they had six to seven years of added life. So no matter what other disease that I put up here, the answer, the story is going to be the same. And why is it the same story? Because what keeps you healthy is what's going to bring you back to health. You break those laws that God has put into our system. They're fixed. They can't be changed. If you buy a diesel car, that car is fixed for the fuel that you put in it. You can't go and put gasoline in it or you're going to be in trouble, aren't you? Well, it's the same. This vehicle has fixed laws for the type of fuel that makes it operate. And you put any other fuel into it, you're going to break one way or another. So we want to come back to the idea of the laws of life. It makes sense, and it's simple, isn't it? It's just a challenge to discipline ourselves to do it. But you know what? We have a mighty God, and He knows how weak we are. He knows how addicted we are to all these things. And He said, just ask me. I'll give you all the... I'll give you all the... I will give it to you. He has not given us the spirit of fear, the fear of dying from a heart attack. He's given us the spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. And a sound mind means self-control. You're too weak to do it on your own. But if you ask him, all the angels in heaven will come to help you do it, if that's what it takes. I want to tell you a story as we're coming to a close. This is one of the most challenging patients I ever had. This was while I was working at a health center. And on, her, on my list of patients that I was seeing that day, she was coming to me for something like blood pressure problems, and she had been in an accident and had become addicted to pain medication. That's what I was told. But when she sat down in my office and I started talking to her, It was far more complicated than what I was told. And she was a very organized patient. She had three pages, one for what her diagnoses were and one for what her drug medications were and one for all the doctors that she saw. So three pages. The page that told me what her diagnoses were, I have on the board. I'm not going to read them all, she had, But I'll read some of them. Acid reflux, ADHD, asthma, bipolar, bursitis, depression, diabetes, neuropathy, diverticulitis, duodenal ulcer, gout, arrhythmia, 50% heart blockage. I might as well read them all, huh? High blood pressure, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, tachycardia, migraines, osteoarthritis, unstable bladder, for which they gave her medication. And then they gave her another medication because of her heart problem that caused... Um, frequent urination so she had she had her bladder in just confusion i looked at that and she sat there literally she could hardly keep her eyes open and she could hardly talk she was in a fog and i looked at her and i said deborah you don't even know who you are do you She was in her 40s, and she had been on this kind of medication since she was 18 years old. She had just happened to learn about the God of heaven a few months before. And she was baptized and gave her life to the Lord, and the church said, We're going to send you to the health center, to UG Pines in Alabama, United States. So here she comes. And I looked at her, and I said, Deborah, I'm going to have to tell you, I don't know where to start. This was really complicated, and I need help. I said, give me 24 hours. Meet me tomorrow. So I called a physician who's a psychiatrist and knows about a lot of the medication that she was on. She was on 27 medications. This is how many. Medication she took daily. So I called him, I read him off the list, and I said, what do I do? Now remember, one of her symptoms, one of her diagnoses, was depression. And she was on several different antidepressants as well as um, sleep medication. She was on almost anything. And you know what he said to me? Now, I want you and any, everybody in our television audience and those of you that are here, this was under medical supervision. And we had a supportive staff to put all of the laws of health into place. He told me, stop them all, except for three. Three of them needed tapered. And he, I said, all of them, but three? And he said, yes. What she needs is not a pill. She needs a person. She needs the Lord, and she needs you to support her. And so in 24 hours, she was off 24 medications. Within 10 days, she was off everything. Her blood sugar was normal. Her blood pressure was normal. She was sleeping through the night Her eyes were awake and alert, and she was a new person. And at the end of the session, she came to me with two bags full of this medication. They were in Walmart bags. And she handed them to me and said, Here, these are yours. I'm free. I'm free. God's plans work. They are powerful. They take, they're simple, but you need to know what you're doing. So I'm not recommending that anybody goes off medication that they're on without medical advice. You need to find someone that can help you. But I'm going to tell you that I just got a research today from a doctor friend, and he, what this research was showing that if you will just start implementing the good food, start eating the kale, start eating the apples and the beans and the whole grains, and the body starts healing. And it was particularly talking about individuals that were addicted to alcohol and tobacco. And what they found is that the habit, the addiction, and the dependence on alcohol fell off because of putting in the the nutrients that supported the body. God is a good God, and he will heal us. What we need is to fix our mind on the God of heaven. In a wonderful book called Steps to Christ, there's this passage. We need to have more distinct views of Jesus. The beauty of holiness is to fill the hearts of God's children. In order to accomplish this, we should seek for divine disclosures of heavenly things. Isn't that beautiful? You can go to your knees and say, Lord, you said you want us to have a divine disclosure. Would you meet with me today and show me one of those out of your word? Would you help heal my body? Would you help heal my soul? The Lord has a way to help us through everything. And he will bring you through anything that he needs to bring you through to help you see him more clear. I want to give you a short testimony before we close tonight. Now, you've all heard a little bit about my daughter and that I lost her to cancer. She was diagnosed with leukemia in 2001, just a short month after the Twin Towers came down. And I remember saying when we got the diagnosis, you never know when your Twin Towers are gonna come down. This picture here was four years later, 2005, and you can't tell from the picture, but where we're standing, is at the Twin Towers, ground zero. I'm going to tell you, the Lord will take all of us to ground zero so that we can fully trust him. Because when we take out all of our Twin Towers, whatever it is that we're holding on to, whatever our prides are, when those are gone, he can rebuild us in him. And this picture is so powerful for me because that's what the Lord did for us. And even though I don't have her now, I know I'm going to have her for eternity. Amen. She was diagnosed just a couple months before this picture for the third time. And we knew that within a short time, we were going to lose her. She went through treatment. through She had gone through a transplant, a bone marrow transplant previously, and now, with the relapse, the only thing they had to offer was another transplant. And so as she went through the process, it was a constant battle. You would not believe how much drugs goes into a little body, more than what I showed you in that, those two jars. And this picture here is August of 2006. She came to the end because of the treatment that suppresses the immune system the fungus that is all around us got into her brain and fungus is like a mushroom it grows and what it was doing was literally pushing her brain out the out her skull and when that moment happened she would be gone she was in the hospital these last for her last days for 2 weeks she was semi conscious for the First week, and then the second week, she started having seizures, and we induced a coma. This picture was when she was still semi conscious. And she couldn't talk. Half of her was paralyzed, but she could move her right side. And she gave me a sign I love you. I'm telling you this story for a reason. It's a sad story, but sometimes. The cost of our eternal life is not really, it's distant. Jesus died 2,000 years ago for us. We weren't there. And we don't really realize the pain that heaven suffered for us. And so I tell this story because what God did for me was to bring this pain into my life, the cost of sin. This is a picture of my mother. She's beside Samantha's bed in her last days. She's holding Samantha's hand. What she was thinking here was that she would do anything she could to save her granddaughter's life. Whatever amount of money it would take to save her, she would find it. If she could trade places with Samantha, she would do it. But it was utterly impossible to stop what was happening. And at that moment, as she was in this situation, she realized the cost of our salvation. When Jesus was going through his torment, through the garden, through Calvary, He was God. He never stopped being God. He could have stopped that situation immediately. He could have taken himself off the cross. The Father in heaven could have said, it's enough, just like with Abraham. Okay, I see you're willing to go through it. It's enough. But it wouldn't have been enough. There had to be a price for the laws that we break. And Jesus was willing to take that cost and bear it for us. Willing to do it. I want to tell you tonight that heaven is cheap enough. There is nothing in this world worth hanging on to. There is not a hamburger worth it. There is not a bowl of sugar, a candy bar, a cookie, whatever it is that is so precious to us. Nothing is worth missing heaven. Because you know what's going to happen when we get to heaven? You're going to have the greatest feast that any mortal can put their mouth on. You are invited to the table that is going to be served by the king and you're going to have the greatest feast there is. In fact, one of the promises in Revelation 2, 7, is to those that overcome, will I give to eat of the tree of life? We will have eternal life forever. And what I want to ask our viewing audience and those that are with us here tonight to recommit your life to the God who died to save you. And ask him to give you power to overcome whatever obstacle you have and say, Lord, I want to be there. I want to eat that fruit. I want to live forever. Would you do that for me? Let's have prayer and ask the Lord to be our strength and our creative, healing physician tonight. Father in heaven, oh, it just seems like the world comes in like a flood. The stresses of life are are more than, than we can handle. And we each know the weakness that we have within our own self. We realize how often we fail you. We have bad attitudes. We, we think we need these comfort foods and substances. They tend to fill the void that we have because we don't really know what love is. But Lord, you are love, and you have everything we need. Would you be with each one of us? There's people around the world that are listening and those that are here that are suffering and that carry a heavy burden. We bring them to you tonight, and we ask, Lord, that we never give up, that you'll hold us tight, that you will give us the power that we need through the blood of Jesus to say, Lord, I want to be there. Take me home. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.